We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. I want to turn your attention very quickly to the book of Romans chapter 8 and the beginning in verse 18. Romans 8, beginning in verse 18. This is one of my favorite scriptures and favorite chapters in the Bible. And as you're turning uh, to Romans 8, beginning in verse um, 18, uh, today we have something very special happening with our youth. And uh, at 1030 in the other building in the youth room, they are going to be starting a series on covenant discipleship. And they're going to be learning about the Word of God. And um, for those of you that may not be aware yet, I have not made this very public, but I'll say it. I'll say it now, and we'll we'll have another time where I bring them and we anoint them and make it public. Uh, Brother Paolo and Sister Angela Repetto have become our discipleship pastors, and they will be running all of our discipleship here at Truth Chapel as we step into a new system of discipleship, into covenant discipleship and covenant leadership. Um, and so our discipleship pastors, Brother Paulo, Sister Angela, they're actually over there right now getting ready. They are heading this up with our youth, and they're going to do a phenomenal job. So if you are in the youth group, uh, to, if you're in the youth group today, as soon as this is over, you are welcome to go over there. I think they have over 30 already registered. I think 31 or 32 have already registered for the class. But if you haven't registered yet, that's totally fine. Just go across, uh, and when we dismiss, that starts around 1030. And... Uh, It's going to be a great time of learning and studying the Word of God. How many of y'all love Bible study? I love Bible study. How many were here Wednesday night for Bible study? How many going to be back for part two? Yes, I'm excited as well. Um, I love the Word of God. I love to preach and I love to teach. And uh, last week, Brother Eberhardt came to me and he told me, he said, Pastor, you're, you're spoiling us. I said, how am I spoiling you, Brother Everhart? He said, well, you've just been here for a long time. You haven't traveled in a while. It's it's just been you teaching and preaching, and you're spoiling us. And I said, well, I can can help with that. I can change a little bit. I can go, no, I'll be here for a little while longer. Amen. I do travel quite a bit, and I do minister other places, but there ain't nothing like Truth Chapel. I'll tell you that right now. Nothing like it. Amen. I want to uh, teach, preach a little bit today, if you don't mind, from the book of Romans chapter 8. I want to start in verse 18, and I want to read for you what Paul says in verse 18. I'll read a little more than that today, but uh, verse 18 is one of my favorite verses. He says, for I reckon, I know Paul was from North Carolina, (laughs) because that's definitely a North Carolina word. I reckon, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to with the glory which shall reveal, be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. If you can see it, it ain't hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And this morning, if you'll allow me just a few moments, I want to teach, preach, 
minister today on this subject. What I reckon, what I know, and what I don't. What I reckon, what I know, and what I don't. Amen. Can we pray together? Lord, I thank you for your word this morning, and I ask you to touch us today. I ask this word to settle in our spirits and hearts. I pray, Lord, that your will would be done through this message today to touch every heart and to touch every mind and to touch every spirit in the room. For, God, we are here for your word today. For your word is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. And God, I pray today that we would not just be hearers of the word but doers also. And we'll be so careful to give you praise and glory and honor. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord as you're seated in Jesus' name. What I reckon, what I know, and what I don't. Amen. Paul, in this uh, portion of Scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 8, um, there are many things in this Scripture that he lays down as foundational truths, and he is speaking to the church in Rome. And at this time, uh, many theologians believe that at this time that Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, the church in Rome is small. Uh, some uh, historians believe that at the time that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, there was only around 250 to 300 souls in the church, in the church in Rome. And many of them were uh, Gentile, a few of them were Jews, uh, but many of them were Romans, so to speak. At that time, uh, Rome had complete control over that region of the world, but many uh, Roman civilians were not living there. It was mostly Roman uh, soldiers, Roman guards, and then people who uh, would support uh, the Roman uh, influx into the area. And as he writes to the church or writes to this, the, the, the church, the, the, the Roman church, the church in Rome, he's writing to a church that is uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, and he, he's writing to a church in Rome that is uh, very diverse. You have Jews, you have Gentiles, many of them Romans, and living in Rome, and at, at, at this time that Paul is writing, the church is young, very, very young. And they, are, they have come, the book of Acts will tell us, the book before Rome, Romans, the book of Acts will tell us that um, great persecution has come upon the church. Persecution from two ways. Persecution from the Jews and persecution from Rome. The Bible will tell us that at that time uh, that Caesar Augustus and all of his power came against the church and also the Jewish uh, Sanhedrin. Uh, their, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had raised up many, many obstacles for the church at that time. So Paul is writing a letter to a church that is under great distress. This church that he's writing to, they're under great distress. We today cannot really imagine what this church is going through. We, we cannot really put into our minds today what this church that Paul is writing to is really experiencing at the time. We are free to worship. We are free to gather. Uh, we, uh, we, we have no limitations on what we are allowed to do. We have really no limitations on what we are allowed to say. Not a government limitation, that is. No one is telling us that we can't meet in a certain place. No one is telling us that we can't meet at a certain time. No one is persecuting the church. Right now, the church in America, as we know it, is not under persecution. We're not. We, we, we may be being attacked by ideologies, amen? And we are definitely under attack uh, by the spirit of the age, for sure. But no one met you in the parking lot today with a, with a semi-automatic rifle and told you, if you go in that building to worship Jesus, we're going to take you to jail. We're not persecuted today, not this church, not the church in America today. There are many who would love us not to gather. There are many who come against the name of Jesus. 
many who come against uh, what we believe in and what we stand for. They would call us, uh, they would call us uh, bigots, and they would call us uh, uh, homophobes. They would call us uh, sinophobes, if you would. They, would they, they have all kinds of names for us, and yes, they attack, but they cannot persecute. Amen? I, I, I want to remind you today of the beauty of the church that we have today. God has put us in a place. God allowed you to be in a place where his name can be glorified without fear of repercussion. We can come to this house. We can worship. We can sing. We can shout. We can stay here all day if we want to. No one is going to ask us to leave. No one is going to say, hey, your time is limited. We have a glorious opportunity today to praise him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Not only do we have that opportunity, but we also have the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. Do you know that? Do you know that you can go on any street corner in America and you can preach the name of Jesus? The government, if, if, if you have the credentials that you need, the government will not shut you down. People may throw tomatoes at you. People may get mad at you, but the government's not going to come and make you move. You can tell anybody who you work with today, any person on your job, you can go to them today and you can say, hey, do you know that Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants you? You can do that. No one can say anything to you. Your boss may say, hey, we, we, you know, we don't really like that around here or whatever, but he can't stop you from doing it. You can go to any person in your school, any person at your college, and you can tell them about the love of Jesus and the death of Jesus Christ, and you can tell them about Calvary, and there's nothing no one can do to you. We're not under persecution today. And so for us, it's hard to imagine where Paul is living because Paul is under persecution. Christians are being detained. Christians are being put in dungeons. Christians are being killed for their consistent preaching of the name of Jesus. They are being beaten. They are being flogged. They are being brought before the government, put in prison for undetermined times. And this is not uh, something that me and you can really understand today because we've never really seen that. We may have read about it somewhere but we've never really seen that in our communities. And Paul is writing this letter to a church in Rome and the headquarters of the enemy, so to speak. A church is growing there. At this time, a small church, but a church is growing there. And it is diverse. And everybody who would read this letter is under persecution. They cannot be open with their religion. They cannot openly preach about the name of Jesus. And they are suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul would ask Jesus for. He said that I may know you in your suffering. I want to know you, not just know you in your glory, but I also want to know you in your suffering. And Paul is receiving it in spades. This letter is written under distress. And here's what Paul would write. He said, for I reckon. <laughs> I reckon that all the stuff that I'm going through right now cannot even compare to the glory that's going to come out of it. Uh, hallelujah. I, you know, I did my research. I looked up that word reckon. I didn't even know this because we just say reckon all the time in North Carolina. Well, I reckon. You know, you can say, I reckon, to answer a, a, about a question that's like 30 minutes long. Someone's going to ask you a long question, and then you can say, I reckon. And that's all they need to hear. They're like, okay, he answered everything I asked. But the word reckon means to calculate. It means to estimate. The word used here in your Bible means it is an evaluation. It's taking in all, all the numbers in the equation and coming to a solution, coming to an answer after you've taken in all of the parameters of the equation 
you come to a solution to the equation. So if Timmy has eight apples and Bobby gives Timmy eight apples, how many apples does Timmy have? 16, thank you so much. He got 16 apples. So we got Bobby and Timmy, and we got Timmy's got eight, Bobby's got eight, Bobby gives his eight to Timmy. You know what we're doing? We're reckoning. And what Paul did in this scripture is he said, I did the math. Paul said, I reckon. I did the math. I took all the trouble that I'm in right now and I compared it to all the glory that I'm going to receive. I took all of my apples. I added them to the enemy's apples. But then I took God's apples and I realized that I reckon, I evaluated, I summarized, I calculated that what God has planned for me then cannot compare to what I'm going through right now. I wish for just a minute somebody in this house would break out your spiritual calculator and start putting in the equation and say, you know what? I reckon, I reckon I'm in trouble. I reckon I'm going through some stuff. I reckon my life is turned upside down. But I also reckon that everything the devil meant for evil, God turned it around and made it good. I reckon... I reckon it's going to be all right. I reckon God's going to make a way. I, and if he don't answer me now, there's a great, a great getting up morning coming. Paul said, I reckon. I, I did the math. I reckon. And I reckon God is greater than my trouble. I reckon the glory that's coming is greater than the grief. I said, I reckon the glory that's coming is greater than the grief that I'm dealing. I got news for somebody. What you are going through right now does not compare to what God has planned for you. Hey! You got to believe that. I can't do that math for you, baby. I can't do that math for you. You got to do that math for yourself. You got to get out the abacus and move some stuff over and say, you know what? I calculated it up. I reckon that God is greater than this moment that I'm going through. Yeah. Yes, sir. I did some reckoning. Turns out what's coming is greater than what is. My future is bright. <laughs> what God's got planned is greater than what's going on right now. He said, I reckon. But then a few verses later, he said in verse 22, he said, for we know. Some things I don't need to calculate. I know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but we. All creation's been waiting for this moment. The Bible tells us that all creation groaneth and waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. He said, listen, all of creation is groaning. We know that this is our time. We don't need to calculate this one. I don't reckon it's my time. I know it's my time. There's a difference between Reckoning and knowing. See, when you reckon, there's a problem to be solved. But when you know, there's no problem. I just know that it's time. I know that all this is working together. I know, I know that the whole earth is way. I know that even within myself, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. You know what I know? I know that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You know what I know? I know that one of these old mornings, and it won't be very long, you're going to look for me, but I'll be going no home. You know what I know? I know he's coming back to get me. I know there's a heaven. I know. See, some stuff you got to stop reckoning about and you got to know it. I'm not doing no equations no more. I got a made up mind. I know that I'm waiting for the adoption. Oh, no, 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 the redemption of my body. Ah, because I'm saved by hope. I know that. 
Uh, see, sometimes I look around, I wonder, are some people still reckoning and some people knowing? Some of y'all still adding in equations into the problem, trying to figure it all out. Trying to see, you know what, is this worth my time? Is this going to be good for me? Should I give my whole life to the Lord? Because if I do, I did the equation. I did the math. And I know if I fully commit to God, I got to get rid of this. Because there's no way to reckon in him and not add in addition and subtraction. Multiplication and division. Come on, somebody. At some point, we got to start reckoning and we got to know. For we know. We know some things in this house today. I'm not, I, I'm not still on, on the way of making up my mind. I, I put the calculator down and I know. I know that the grass is green. I know. Now, you could tell me all day long it's blue. But I'll say, no, 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 that's that football field in, what's that, Idaho or Iowa or wherever they at. What's that, uh, Boise? Idaho, that football team, they got a blue field. That's just weird. But regular grass is green. If it's, if it's good grass and it's alive, it's green. Now, I don't know the equation of the photosynthesis that makes it green. I'm sorry. I just don't know how God does all that, takes the, the, the soil and mixes it with the, the water and the sunlight and makes that green. I don't know the equation. I just know that it's green. And I don't really understand and know how God is going to get me out of this mess somehow. I, I, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I know. <laughs> Listen, I wish I could sit you down and show you all the ways that God's going to make it good in your life. I can't do that for you. But I know if you hold on. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know all the photosynthesis. I can't sit you down and show you on a graph how God's going to make it all work out. But I know if you keep holding on to Jesus, he will make it all right. Listen, this is what Paul said at the end of this stanza. He said, for we know all things work together for the good of them that love God, that are called according. He said, I know. There's some things I don't reckon anymore. I know. I know that all this, I know that all this, all this, all this, I don't know how. I can't tell you how, but all this is going to work together for my good. Someday in the end, God's going to get the glory out of all this. That's why some of y'all can't shout because you're still reckoning. Some of y'all ain't got no worship in you because you're still reckoning. You're trying to figure out how God's going to do it all. But some of us have put down the calculator. Some of us have put down the abacus. Some of us have put down the pen and paper. And we said, I don't know, but I'm going to shout right now because I know. I can't work it out. I can't do the math. I'm sorry. I don't have all the equation. But I know that all these things are going to work together for my good. If you really know he was going to answer your prayer, how would you act? If you really know he was going to come through, what would you do? If you really know... If you really know that he's an old-time God, you ought to show it like it. Shout like it. Dance like it. Worship like it. I don't know how, but I know. I don't know when, but I know. I don't know who, but I know. I know. Brother, we know you're going through. How are you going to act like that? Because I know. <laughs> Sister, we know you're facing adversity. How are you going to worship? Because I know. <sighs> I'm not doing no more equations. I'm not trying to figure it out. I just know that God is going to make a way somehow. Uh, I reckon. And I know. Somebody just shout a yes right now. Just yes, Lord. 
Yes, I don't know how, but yes. I don't know when, but yes. I don't know how it's going to work out, but yes. I don't know when it's going to work out, but yes. Yes, Lord. I know. I'm going to put my faith in you. He said, if you can see it, it ain't hope. What does a man hope for if he can see it? If you can see it, there's no hope. But knowing is about hope. <laughs> Some of y'all still wishing. You wish God would work it out. You wish God will make a way. You wish God will come through. But some of us are hoping. I hope. I hope because I know my salvation is in my hope. I hope he makes a way. I hope it comes through. I'm not wishing no more. I'm hoping my hope is in him. My hope are not on things below, but my hope is on things above. Ah, uh, yes. He said, I reckon, and I know. Oh, yeah, we know. I know. It's going to work out. But right in between all that, if we're not careful, we'll miss it. We get so excited about reckoning, and we get so excited about what we know, we'll miss Paul's evaluation of what he didn't know. That I reckon and I know and I don't. Because if I just sit up here today and preach to you complete and utter faith without letting you know that God had a way for you to deal with the things that you don't know. Listen, what you know today isn't bothering you. I know. It may even be a bad situation, but if you know what's going on, it don't even bother you. I know. Hey, did you know so? I know. Why are you not bothered about it? Because I know. It's not bothering me because I know. I'm not staying up late at night about what I know. What I know ain't keeping me in my seat. I'm not struggling with the things that I know about. What I struggle with is what I don't. I reckon that it's, I reckon, I looked at the equation, I measured up my trouble with God's grace. I reckon it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare. It's not even fair. God's glory in my life is on a whole different graph than the trouble in my life. Don't compare. And you know what I know? I know. I know he's going to make a way. I know it's all going to work together for my good. I know. I know. I got the, I, I, I'm a partaker of the first fruits. Look, Paul ain't the only one that can say he was a partaker of the first fruits. No, I, I'm a partaker as well. I got what they got. I don't want to go to a church that don't preach about getting what they got. Listen, I don't want to go to a church that only preaches about believing but not receiving. I'm going to say that one more time for the folks in the back. I don't want to be a part of a religion that only preaches about believing, but never talks about receiving. Because what I believe, I'd like to receive. Paul said, I, I know, I got it. I got it, I got it. Talking about the Holy Ghost. I got it. Yes, I got it. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. <laughs> yeah, I know. However, there's things in my life I don't know the answers to. Things going on in this church I don't know the answers to. Things going on in this world today. You watch the news and you realize how much you don't know. You see stuff going on, you're like, what's happening? What, what, what's going on in the world? And you wonder to yourself, what's the answer? What, what about my kids? What, what about my ministry? What about my future, my destiny? What's God's will for my life? What's my purpose on the planet? 
I'm, I'm going to say something that you've been asking yourself here. What about the bills? How are they going to get paid? What about what would happen if I, if I died today? Would, would I leave my family anything? What, what? So we got a whole bunch of questions that don't have the answers to them. But Paul said, listen, I'm going to tell you what I reckon, and I'm going to tell you what I know. But I'm also going to give you a solution for what I don't know. And he says, if we hope, if we hope for that we see, not then do we with patience wait for it. Because we can't see everything. God has not given any of us a vision of everything. If God has given you a vision of everything, write a book. Put it on audible.com so I can listen to it next week. Take some notes. But God has not given all of us the answer for everything because if we can see it, why would we hope? And why would we wait? But he did not leave us empty-handed. He said, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh the intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Mm. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints, watch this, according to the will of God. My, my, some of y'all asking what God's will is for your life? Pray in the Spirit. What's going to happen to my kids? Pray in the Spirit. How the bill's going to get paid? Pray in the Spirit. Pastor, I don't know what my future is. Pray in the Spirit. I don't know the answer to life's questions. Pray in the Spirit. I'm struggling with a few things. Pray in the Spirit. I don't even know what I should pray about. Pray in the Spirit. I don't even know how to pray about it. Pray in the Spirit. Because I can shout about what I reckon. And I can dance about what I know. But I struggle when I don't know the answers. But God said, I will not leave you helpless. I will give you the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit knows the answers to all questions. And the Spirit will answer according to God's will. Not your will, not your mama's will, not your daddy's will, not the government's will. But when the Spirit answers, it answers according to God's will. So let me just encourage you. If you're going to pray in the Spirit, be ready for whatever answer comes. Because if you like it, it doesn't matter. It's God's will. If you don't like it, it doesn't matter. It's God's will. If it works in your favor, it don't matter. It's God's will. If it doesn't work in your favor, it don't matter. It's God's will. Because God's will will not leave you helpless. And if I pray in the Spirit, if I pray in the Spirit, and if God's will is done in my life, that's how I know that all things will work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Listen, some of y'all don't know if it's all going to work out just right because you ain't never prayed in the Spirit. You prayed according to your will. You prayed according to your answer. You prayed according to what you wanted. You pray according to what you needed. You said, God, this is the answer that I want, and if I don't get it like I said it, I'm not going to believe in you no more. God, this is the answer that I need, and if it don't come like I need it, I'm not going to trust in you no more. God, this is the answer that I want to see. That's how you pray. That's how all of us pray, because we're human beings, and we want God to do what we want God to do. But when you pray in the Spirit, you just give it up to the Lord and say, God, whatever you want to do is fine with me. Can I tell you, you got to be careful when you pray in the Spirit because when you pray in the Spirit, God will do whatever God wants to do because the Spirit knows the will of God. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why some people can come to church and shout when they didn't get the job. That's why they can come to church and shout when their family member wasn't healed. That's why they can still shout because they took a moment and they prayed in the spirit and whatever happened, happened. Can I preach to you for just a few minutes about peace? Because some of y'all ain't got no peace. The reason you ain't got no peace is because God didn't give you what you asked for. But you can have peace. Let me tell you how to have peace. It's when you pray in the spirit and whatever happens, you're going to be all right with it. Whatever comes around, you're going to be okay with it. Whatever God does, you're going to say, hey God, it's all right because I prayed in the spirit. I didn't pray in my own understanding. I prayed to you in the spirit. I'm preaching today. I'm teaching too now. I'm teaching a little bit too. Because some of y'all thought that the Spirit was just when you got the Holy Ghost and it was it that was over. I got the Holy Ghost. I prayed in the Spirit. I prayed in tongues and now it's over for me. No, sir. No, sir. Intercessory prayer is not just for the old women at church. Let me say it again. Intercessory prayer is not just for the old mothers. Oh, she's an intercessor. Oh, she, ha- she can intercede. Oh, she got that special, that special gift of interceding. She can pray in the Spirit. All of you should pray in the Spirit. Ain't no, ain't no special. Listen, if you got a problem, you can pray in the Spirit. If you got a need, you can pray in the Spirit. You ain't got to be special. You ain't got to be over 50 to be an interceder. You can be 15 years old and not know what's going on in your world. And you can find a place of prayer and pray until the Spirit starts talking. And when the Spirit starts talking, you just let the Spirit speak for you. And when the Spirit speaks for you, he will ask what needs to be asked. Uh, uh. You don't know how to talk to God. You don't know. You don't know how to talk to God. The reason is, is because when you talk to God, you talk to God out of your understanding. And you don't understand. Listen, if you knew what the answer was, you would go do that. This, this, this type of prayer is not for what you know. I, I, I don't need this type of prayer for what I reckon. I, I pray in my understanding. Read 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. Paul said, sometimes I pray with understanding, and sometimes I pray in the Spirit. Here's what Paul said, sometimes I sing with understanding. Oh, hallelujah. And then he said, sometimes I sing in tongues. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, read it for yourself. Some of y'all thought tongue ceased. Well, you got that from 1 Corinthians 13. And that's not what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. He said, listen, tongues and prophecy and knowledge are not as great as love. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. He said, I can speak with tongues. I can prophesy. I can have all knowledge. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. What he said. That's 1 Corinthians 13. And you come all the way. May the good Lord bless you all the days of your life. He said. He said, we, we know the things that we ought to pray. And so when I pray about what I know, I pray with understanding because I understand it. But I also pray in the spirit. I'll sing. I'll sing what I know. But then I'll also sing in the spirit. You say, well, Pastor Chavis, Why don't we just do that all the time? Because the church got away from the spirit because me and you think the spirit is spooky. We think the spirit is a separate thing from whatever we're doing in church. Oh, yeah. The greatest trick the enemy ever pulled was convincing the church that the spirit was just for the early church. It was just for them. It was just for Paul and the apostles, and it's not for us. And that's a lie. That's not true. You can't show me anywhere in that Bible 
where Paul said, this is just for us. Y'all can't have it. We got something special, and y'all can't get it. No, this is for every believer and every receiver. When you get the Holy Ghost, when you get the Holy Ghost, the evidence of the Holy not the Holy Ghost, the evidence of it. You don't get the Holy Ghost, you don't get the Holy Ghost in your mouth. You get the Holy Ghost in your heart. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It is the evidence of it. But it ain't the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God coming to live in your soul. Paul calls it the Spirit of Adoption. In Romans and Galatians and Corinthians, he calls it the Spirit of Adoption. In Galatians, he calls it the Spirit of the Son that comes into your heart crying, Abba Father, speaking for itself. But when you get it, there's an evidentiary tongue. That tongue is not for the believer. It's for the unbeliever. It's so we know. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, go back and read Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, when uh, uh, Cornelius and his family received the Holy Ghost, uh, Peter said, shouldn't we baptize them? I mean, we should baptize them, right? And the Jews that came with Peter said, yes, absolutely we should because we heard them speak with tongues like as we. That, that's how we know they got it because we heard it. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily for Cornelius and his family at that time. It was for the Jews because the Jews were the unbelievers. They didn't believe Gentiles could get it. But when they heard it, they said, ain't no, ain't no doubt in my mind, I, they, they did what we did. Listen, I don't want to go to a church that doesn't want to do what they did. Why would you not want to do what they did and get what they got? There isn't a fresh version of the Holy Ghost. There's the first version, and that version is still alive in this world today. And that's what we preach here at True Chapel, that you can get it like they got it. This is not a fairy tale. If we believe that it's only just in the book, then this might as well be Harry Potter. This might as well be the, the, the Lord of the Rings. It might as well be a fairy tale and a fable, something to read about and experience through their eyes, but never experience for myself. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fable. This is the infallible word of God. And if he said it, I believe it. And if they got it, I want it. 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 Don't get me fired up now. I'll burn this stage to the ground up here. And you know why I want it? I want it because it talks to God for me. It is my intercessor. It knows the language of heaven. Though I speak with the tongues of men or I speak with the tongues of angels. That's what Paul said. He said, I speak with, the I speak with understanding. I speak in tongues that, that men know and I speak in tongues that people don't know. Man doesn't know. Only the spirit knows. It makes groanings that cannot be uttered. Oh, sometimes I speak in tongues. Paul says, sometimes I speak in tongues. Sometimes I just groan. I listen when I was a kid we used to have all night prayer meeting and every once in a while in an all night prayer meeting somebody get in that corner all by themselves and you just hear them oh, they, oh that's foolishness they shouldn't do all that no 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 they're groaning in the spirit something's happening over there you don't know nothing about don't worry don't worry because whenever they get up from that God's going to have his way whenever they get up from that God's going to have the answer if this is too much for you I'm sorry it's a Sunday morning and I gotta let you know God wants you to have the spirit so that you can talk to him the way that you you don't know what you ought to pray you don't know the answers you need you don't know what God's doing but the spirit knows the spirit knows the spirit I don't know but the spirit knows the Spirit knows what's the answer to your problem. The Spirit knows what's the answer to your needs. The Spirit knows. And I want the Spirit. It's not spooky. 
It's not crazy. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. It's in the book. Paul said, we know not what to pray. And so the Spirit steps in and says, let me talk for you. You just groan. You just speak. You don't even understand what you're saying, but you got to say something. You have to give the Spirit a voice. You have to give the Spirit a voice. This is not meditating. I believe in meditation. I thought some of y'all run out right there. I believe in meditating, absolutely. I believe in meditating on the Scripture. David said, I meditate on your word day and night. He said, I meditate with groanings. He said, I, just, I, just, I, I, I get a scripture in my mind. I meditate. I get a scripture in my mind that I need in my life, a word, and I will just meditate on that scripture. I'll spell it out in my mind. I sit quietly, and I just spell the words out in my mind. And sometimes I'll hum them, and sometimes I'll sing them, especially if it's a psalm or a proverb. I'll just meditate on it. I just want that word. I need that word. I need the answer to something going on in my life. And I'll just speak the word over and over in my mind. I meditate on God. I meditate on his sacrifice. Sometimes I meditate on the nails going through his hands. I just think about it. I just think about the nail pushing his skin. I just meditate on the cross. I meditate on the blood flowing down from my sin and my faults and my needs. I just meditate on it. I meditate on his back. It's hard to put in your mind the gruesomeness of it, but I also know it heals my body. I just meditate on his word. I meditate on it. But this ain't meditation. This is speaking. These are words. Listen, some of y'all have trouble with your mind. Go home and meditate. Take control of your mind. Take under authority the thoughts. Listen, if you don't have strength in meditation, then you can't go through a day without taking control of your thoughts because you have no thought control. But if you can learn how to meditate five, ten minutes every morning or every day at some point in the day, then you can train your mind to take control. This is, listen, oh, that's, that's, that's a Middle Eastern, yeah, we serve a Middle Eastern God. God ain't American. Did you know that? He doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm sorry. Sometimes I meditate, but other times I have to speak. I have a word. I need to say something. And when I get to my limit of my understanding of my moment and my situation and my pain and my fault and what I need, I don't even know what I need. I pray in the Spirit. I'll let the Spirit take control. I say, Lord, speak for me now. Speak for me now. Speak for me now. Speak for me now. Sometimes it begins. Listen, listen, you ain't ever began something in the Spirit, ever. You began in the flesh. And I said, I'll begin with a groan. I'll begin with a moan. I'll begin to, I'll put that thing in my mind that I need an answer for. And I just pray. I pray without understanding. I don't know what I'm saying sometimes. Sometimes I feel foolish. But every, but every time, every time, there's a moment where God steps in and the spirit takes over. Because the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And you got to take that flesh under subjection every time before the spirit's ever going to do anything in your life. But when that spirit begins to speak for you. Uh, he starts speaking that language. He starts speaking on your behalf. And God's will begins to unfold in your life. Just, just stand with me. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm, I could probably go on for about another 30 minutes here. Listen, the Holy Ghost is not just so I can be proud and say, oh, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm an apostolic, you know, I, 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 speak, in, I speak in tongue about the Holy Ghost. No, it's not, it's not to boast about it. It's, it's not to, to brag about it. It's not some kind of tag that we wear that makes us better than anybody else. No, what it is, it's a humbling. It's humbling. It's a humbling in knowing I don't know the answer. 
It's a humbling in saying, I don't, have the, I don't have the answer. It's a humbling in saying, I don't know what God wants to do. I don't know what's happening in my life. It's a humbling to say, I'm a man, and I do not know. And when you can get to a place, some of you will never pray on the Spirit because you cannot admit that you don't know the answer. And when you don't admit that you don't know, God can't speak through you. God can't have it. You have to lose your analytical mind. You have to lose your analytical mind. You have to stop reckoning. And you have to stop knowing. Paul said, I reckon. I do the equation. I know. I know that God will do this. I have hope and I know. But there are other times when I don't know. And I need God. I cannot go through my life boastful of the things that I know. But I must go through life knowing that there is a humbling in my life that God will keep in the dark. God will keep me in the dark on what he's doing. God will keep me in the dark on his will. God will keep me in the dark about my family. He'll keep me in the dark about situations. He does it on purpose. He keeps me in the dark on purpose. You say, no, 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 that God's light. No, 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 listen, don't do that. Don't, don't say that because I'm going to hurt your feelings because we'll go, back, we'll go back to when the children of God wanted to sweat. They said, Moses, you get to talk to God all the time. We want to do it too. It's not fair. And he said, okay. Sanctify yourselves three days. Clean yourselves. We're going to go up this mountain. We're going to go up this mountain. We're going to talk to God. You're going to see God like I see God. They said, okay, we can't wait. Halfway up the mountain, the Bible says God met them. God met them with a darkness. <laughs> and they all went down the hill said, nope, nope, we're good. We don't like the dark. We don't like the unknown. But Moses was the only man that was able to go through the unknown to see the glory to go through the unknown to see God's will and when you pray in the spirit sometimes you have to face the unknown you have to face the darkness the darkness of your situation the darkness of your life the darkness of your pain you have to face the unknown you have to say God I don't know what you're doing but God said if you can stay in the darkness long enough I'll bring you to the light if you can stay in the darkness you gotta go through the darkness to get to the light you can never appreciate the light until you've walked in darkness. Oh, yeah, but I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I know you are, but you need to go through some darkness because God has a revelation of his will on the other side. Sometimes you got to pray what you don't know. You got to pray what you can't see. You got to go where you can't go. And God said, if you will, if you'll stop reckoning and you'll stop knowing and you'll come into this place where you don't know, a humbling, a humbling of your spirit to not know, to think you know the answers and you just let me have my way, I will do in you my will. And if I do in you my will, you'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll know, you'll know this is God's will. I wonder right now, some have already come, but this altar is open today. I preach a little too long. I apologize. If you're a young person and you need to go to class, go to class. But if there's a man or a woman of God, if there's a visitor, a guest, I don't care who you are, that says, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. I want to speak. I want to speak to you in that unknown tongue. God, I want to pray in the Holy Ghost. Somebody just groan. I don't even know the answers. I just groan. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.